It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, Nick Nurse has been fired. We know that. But now our eyes turn towards the Raptors' front office. Do they got the juice to pull the Raptors out of the mess they seem to find themselves in? We'll dig into that. Plus, Factor Fiction will play that wonderful parlor game that everybody loves regarding Masai Ujiri's end-of-season press conference. We'll do it all with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Let's get to it. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1387 i'm pretty sure of lockdown raptors for monday april the 24th i'm your host sean woodley i've been covering the toronto raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms you can find all my work over on twitter at woodley sean you can follow the show at on instagram lockdown raptors you can also go to discord follow the, the link in the description just go click through that link and join our wonderful lockdown raptors discord community i'm in there vivek jacobs in there 40 other people are in there we're talking about fake trades and draft guys and more fake trades and the Blue Jays and very soon Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It's all going to be great. Jump on into the Lockdown Raptors Discord right now. We love you very much. Also love you if you subscribe to the podcast for free and especially love you if you are an everyday listener of the podcast. Shout out to the everydayers. If you are an everyday listener of the show, let us know. Jump into the comments and give us a shout uh, and I will give you a shout in return down the line. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, being a big fan part of the show keeping us going every day all right today's show is brought to you by prize picks and first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on that's prizepicks.com promo code locked on more on them and their daily fantasy sports fun times a little later on in the show all right let's get to it nick nurse still fired that hasn't changed since everything broke on friday uh this is just the second time i'll be speaking on a microphone since the nick nurse decision and joining me for the first time since it all went down is our pal vivek jacob who was there in the building on friday as masai ujiri addressed the masses or the small collection of media who were gathered at ovo center uh and uh i'm sure you got takeaways big v (laughs) big news for the toronto raptors big shift let's uh we'll talk about the front office we're gonna play around a factor fiction uh from Masai's press conference as well which we'll explain a little later on but uh you're sort of overall now had a couple days to think about it where are you at with the Nick Nurse decision are you feeling any sort of way about it uh and we'll dive into the press the front office stuff in a second here but just the decision to move on from Nick Nurse how you feeling about it right now now 72 hours or so out from the call yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was something that was uh, necessary. And mm-hmm. when you look at how much Masai spoke about culture and they, it needed a reset, um, I think when you look at the players, I think 
Masai and Bobby and the rest of them have uh, a lot of belief in the core. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they probably want to see how that plays out with a different voice um, and maybe more structure to their play uh, before they decide on which players fit and which players don't. And so mm -hmm. in any sport, any team sport, it's a lot easier to get rid of one coach than a bunch of players. So uh, <laughs> I, I think that was the logical conclusion. Um, obviously, we're seeing some of the, the stuff that gets uh, leaked out now uh, post uh, him being relieved of his duties and uh, not great. So, yeah, I, I think it was just a logical decision, logical conclusion. Yeah, I feel even better about the decision a couple of days out from it now. I feel like I can breathe a little bit, not having to sort of grapple with the, you know, the conundrum of culture versus on-court tactician and what do the Raptors need. I just think... Uh, it felt like it was time for everybody to move on, and that's perfectly all right. Uh, let's dig into the front office, shall we? Uh, we're going to talk about Masai and his a lot of his statements from his press conference in particular in direct quote form a little later on when we play Fact or Fiction. But my thing now with the front office is, like, I'm not one of these people who's, like, out for blood for Masai Ujiri or Bobby Webster or anyone in the front office. Like, I, I think in general we're way too quick to want to get rid of executives and patience is vastly underrated as just a thing that sports teams can exercise. And I, so I'm not like, you got to go and change the front office. They, they've lost their fastball. It's broken now. That said... They've kind of I played their last games. I want my pound of flesh. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, much like Masai Ujiri. None of us liked watching that basketball team all that much, <laughs> huh? Um, but for me, this does feel, as much as I'm not ready for the front office to go get canned or anything like that, I do feel like you fire your coach. That's one of the last cards you can play before the heat starts to get turned up on your seat. And that's not to say that MLSE is going to really care what the fan base or the media thinks about the front office. They're going to make their own decisions and their own process. And that's a good thing. They shouldn't listen to us. However, uh, it's not long from now where that I think we could really start to see a lot of doubt as much as there already is some creeping in now. In particular, if the Raptors don't thread the needle this offseason, if they get the wrong hire coaching-wise, if they have any sort of issue with their three pending free agents and not doing what they want with those guys and, and you know, losing them for nothing or, you know, turning them into subpar sign-and-trade acquisitions, whatever it might be, then I really think there's room to start to ask some serious questions. Where are you at with the front office? How hot should their seat be? And what kind of influence is what's going to happen this summer going to have, do you think, on their long-term stability with the franchise? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. They absolutely have to thread the needle. Um, I think the second they traded for Jakob Pertl, it was like, okay, now you have to have an absolutely perfect off season to get mm -hmm. this right and mm -hmm. i think most of us agree that uh you know moving on from nick nurse can only be the first domino like if that is the only thing that changes between now and uh september then i would be very skeptical of how they view this team mm -hmm. um i'm a little, a little skeptical of it already. Um, <laughs> we've discussed some of that, but uh, I think that that would ring the alarm bells for sure in terms of the front office. Uh, and so I think um, it is possible uh, to get things right. I, I think 
definitely this is uh, the first step that needed to be taken. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether it's another three that have to go right, another four, another eight, uh, that that's subjective. But, um, yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, at least another three decisions. And then from there, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's uh, like credit to them. You know, some people will take a challenge and run from it. The Raptors front office is like, how do we make this as hard as possible for ourselves and uh, then dive on in? And also, let's throw a coaching search into the middle of it all as well. Like, incredible heat check by a front office that, (laughs) frankly, has been a little cold for a few years. So I appreciate the Terrence Ross levels of unconsciousness when it comes to their front office heat check in here. But um, I mean, yeah. I feel like this is more of like a Dylan Brooks heat check. Like he's like, <laughs> missed like eight in a row, and it's like, yeah, sure. Let's let's throw another one up from forty feet. Oh, Dylan Brooks! Uh, as much as I feel like I would love to root for him on my own team, I really hope he's not one of their solutions this off season. No thanks. Uh, it seems like a. Maybe not the thing you want to go invite into your room. Not that they're going to be able to afford him in free agency or anything like that, but you never know. Sign in trades, whatever. Um, yeah, like the the time is now for them to get this right. And look, I don't even think we'll know if they got it right probably till the end of next season. This is the unfortunate part of pro sports. Decisions happen, and then we all want to make the declarative claim as to whether or not it was the right decision. And then we don't actually know for quite some time if it was, but they've got to at least set themselves up on a track to uh, recapture their old magic. And I do think firing Nick Nurse is probably the biggest step in doing that. Um, It it just felt like top to bottom, the sort of just the toxicity of the franchise just kind of leaked through every corner of it. And if you take out Nick Nurse, maybe that helps with uh, sort of making things more copacetic. But pressure's on man and as much as i don't think mlse is gonna go hey everyone's mad we're gonna fire you right now toronto's a tough sports town man like the 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 radio folks get get their and the columnists get their uh teeth into you a little bit and ask mlse then if they are comfortable with the status quo when the entire city is breathing down their necks and looking for change and over blood it's going to be fascinating stuff we're going to have the entire offseason covered of course on the podcast we'll be digging into all of these decisions what the right ones what the wrong ones are all that good stuff we're going to come back on the other side big v and we're going to play a wonderful game that you pitched to me and I eat it up because I love a stupid parlor game. And we're going to play Factor Fiction, Masai Ujiri End of Season Press Conference Edition. We have four quotes from Masai's End of Season Presser. We're going to run through and determine whether they are fact or fiction. Is he telling the truth or fibbing just a wee little bit? We'll get into all that on the, the next segment here on the show. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about a couple of our dear friends. First up... It is our lovely friends over at Prize Picks who are making daily fantasy sports fun, easy, and most importantly, very accessible. I'm not someone who wants to think a lot when I'm trying to play daily fantasy sports. I'm not going to go do the research or anything like that. I'm a very casual daily fantasy sports player. But the beautiful thing is you don't have to be a diehard. You don't have to be in the season-long mode of knowing every single player every single day to be good at Prize Picks because it's very simple. All you're doing is picking two to six players on a given entry and whether they will score more or less than their prize picks projection that's all it is you against the projections there's no shadow expert putting a team together that you're trying to compete against behind the scenes that's no fun it's just you against the projections if you get your all of your picks
picks right on a six-player entry, you can win up to 25 times your money on that entry. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's, again, no competing against other people. It's not just basketball either. Yes, the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and basketball is a wonderful thing to play with prize picks, but you can do every other sport as well. WNBA is coming up. The WNBA is coming to Toronto in a couple of weeks' time. You can work on your WNBA chops by going Daily Fantasy Sports there. All with prize picks. Super easy, super fun. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. Safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario. Download the prize picks app, go to prizepicks.com, and sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. You put in 100 bucks of your money, 100 bucks of prize picks money joins that 100 bucks to hang out in your account. What a deal. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. And today's show is also brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, who are, of course, bringing you the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. And here's the thing. Raptors ain't playing right now, so we got to sort through some old Raptors who might be having electric times playing for their teams. Let's go with Kawhi Leonard, shall we? It stinks he's hurt right now. Uh, That series might be the Clippers if he were healthy because playoff Kawhi is an absolute cyborg. Either way, he plays with electric with brilliant, fierce elegance, all the things that are wrapped up in the 2023 Nissan Aria. Kawhi Leonard is your Nissan Aria Electric Player of the Week as we uh, wait for the Raptors to play basketball again in six months' time. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, we continue on here, Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com, along as we are playing Fact or Fiction, the brainchild of Big V, Big Facts, Big Fictions over here. Let's dig in. We have four quotes from Masai Ujiri's end-of-season press conference. We're just going to put them up on the screen and talk about whether they're fact or fiction. Big V, let's begin with Jakob Pertl, shall we? Masai Ujiri was asked about the Jakob Pertl trade. I think he defended it pretty uh, well, honestly. Like, I agree. Getting good basketball players on your team in exchange for future first-round picks, perfectly fine thing for me as someone who is not like tanking, who is in the business of having good players on your basketball team being a good thing. That said, Masai Ujiri, the money quote from all that was, he said, Yaka Pertle is a top 10 center in the NBA. Fact or fiction, Big V? Yaka Pertle is, in fact, a top 10 center in the NBA, or is this uh, some fun spin by Masai Ujiri? Let's get into it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that part is debatable. I mean, if at best, he's probably squeaking in at mm-hmm. 9 or 10. Um, and so, uh, again, I go back to what, what we saw in the regular season where, you know, we, you had several games where he wasn't closing, um, including the play in game, which was a must win scenario, uh, until mm. Gary Trent Jr. was just so bad. You had no choice. Um, <laughs> and don't so, remind me, man. Don't remind <laughs> me. <laughs> and, and so I think. Things like that, leave it up in the air. You know, when Masai says that he is like a definitive championship piece, I think that's another thing that you look at and say, hmm, um, I don't know if a definitive like championship piece is, you know, going to be in those situations where it's like, yeah, I don't think I can mm-hmm. have this guy on the court. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I, th- I think those things I question. Um, and so uh, I think, you know, what he gave up 
uh, in terms of Ken Birch plus a first round pick to get Jakob Pertl, probably worth the cost. I, I think, uh, you know, once you move past, like, obviously, like the Jokic's and Beads and uh, move even below the category of, say, like a Miles Turner, hmm. um, that's probably where Jakob Pertl is. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's probably like a tier three, tier four center. Uh, mm-hmm. when you when you kind of look at it that way um and so you know i i, I think <laughs> he sugarcoated it a little bit um and so i'll ultimately go with the uh, fiction i like it i i think there's like a way to like you know it's like one of those pictures where you look at it one way and it looks like nothing and then you kind of spin it upside down and it's like oh i see it there is a way to like Taylor, you're an argument to suggest Yaka Pirtle's a top 10 center, and it's like a value-based one, right? Um, you know, Yaka Pirtle, we don't know what he's going to earn in his next contract. All the reporting and speculation suggests like 18 to 20 million or so. And if that's the number he comes in at, I think you could absolutely argue that like on a value per dollar provided, uh, Yaka Pirtle would go down as a top 10 center. Um, you know, the on-court impact he has is tremendous. We know the sort of counting stats are probably never going to be there for him on this team just because there's a lot of other mouths to feed. But the way that he clears the way for those mouths to eat, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's like that's part of his value as a player as well. And ultimately, I think when you're talking about centers in the league, obviously there's the two elite dudes, Jokic and Embiid, they're kind of in their own tier of their own. After that, I would say you got like Sabonis, Anthony Davis, Bam, Carl Anthony Towns, if he could ever get it together. Um, That's probably like the next tier of like, all right, no question that that's like the tier two kind of in the conversation for all NBA on an annual basis type bigs. And then after that, whole mess, DeAndre Ayton, Jared Allen, Brooke Lopez, Rudy Gobert, Wendell Carter Jr., Nikola Vucevic, Miles Turner, Jakob Pertl. There's no question that Brooke Lopez is better than Jakob Pertl. Yeah, sure. I think, yeah. Uh, let me finish my list of players. Uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, Jakob Pertl, Clint Capella, Nick Claxton. That's kind of like the next chunk i would say obviously some guys are going to be higher towards that third tier than others maybe there is just a full-on tier division between the brooke lopez tier and the yakka purtle tier i can totally get by that but i think there's certainly depending on how you feel about yak versus wendell carter jr versus vooch versus turner versus capella versus claxton you could absolutely say yak is near the top of that bunch which would put him kind of into the bottom tier of the top 10 i ultimately think this is more it's like we're probably going to get too hung up on this top 10 distinction because we love to get hung up on top whatever distinctions. Is Pascal a top five player? Blah, blah, blah. Like, who cares? Um, but with Yak, I do think the whole championship piece part of it, you know, while I think that's probably overstating things a little bit, he is the type of dude who fits on basically any team. And I think that is more sort of the spirit of championship piece, um, at least the way I read it. It's not like this guy's going to come in and be our Joel Embiid. He's going to drive us to a title. No, this guy can exist on a team that is very serious. And that's kind of what I think is the case with Yak. Um, ultimately, I'll probably say fiction as well, but I don't think it's like crazy. I don't think Masai's like out to lunch for saying that. And if you're going on a value basis, if he's coming in at 20 million bucks a year, what Yakup Hurdle does at 20 million bucks a year you will take all day long and be very happy at a position where it's less about do you have the best guy and more do you have a guy that fits outside of the two or three best guys um i think yeah. to sum up i would say 
he can he can definitely be a top ten center. Yeah. Um, and but if he wants to be a top ten center on this team, the front office is going to have to change some pieces around him. I, I know yeah. the net rating is what what it is and all of that, but like again, you talk about you know being able to be on the floor in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. Sure. I think you know if you have some better shooting threats, I think he becomes a more viable option as well. Yeah, that's a really well put point. Let's get to factor fiction number two, shall we? And that is fixing the culture. The Raptors can get the team back on track without major roster moves. I don't know if Masai specifically said this because he did leave the open the possibility of big roster changes as well. Um, I think it's notable that he didn't do like uh, an impassioned pascal siakam defense like he did last year where he's like i'd go to war with that guy um you know i'm not saying that means he's going to go trade pascal siakam but i don't think he put to bed any speculation of anyone on the roster like i feel like anything is on the table right now that said it did seem like culture and getting things kind of back feeling harmonious and getting that raptors magic back again felt like the biggest impetus for the Nick Nurse decision. I don't think really the X's and O's were, were even discussed all that much as far as reasons why Nurse was let go. And so it stands to reason that if you're firing Nick Nurse, you think that that can be the thing that fixes the culture. Do you think, fact or fiction, the Raptors can fix themselves and get them back on track as a franchise without major roster surgery? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, okay. I, I do think... Um major changes are needed i i do think the core has to be adjusted um and i think there has to be a clear commitment to upgrading the shooting on this roster Mm -hmm. like i mean you watch that warriors kings game and it's nuts everyone can shoot it's crazy (laughs) (laughs) and that's the thing you like you go down uh like the playoff rotations of these teams and it's like, yeah, that's a shooter. That's a shooter. That's a shooter. That's a shooter. And, you know, you're not you- reading the Cavs roster, I'm <laughs> presuming right now. <laughs> um, yeah, that that team accepted. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shooting on all these teams. And the Raptors have to figure out a way to, um, you know, I'm going to temporarily include those upcoming free agents mm-hmm. to go from just three guys in Fred. OG and Gary for if you want to include Otto Porter Jr. Mm. to pretty much double that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm not sure. This is and that's hard, not right? going to happen in one summer. No. no. Right. But at least a couple more. Right. Yeah. That, that has to happen this summer. We were actually talking about this in the Lockdown Raptors Discord last night. Everyone jump on in, shall we? We were kicking around. Like, I had there's a little draft uh, channel in there where people will just drop names of people they want me to talk about eventually on the podcast once we turn to draft mode. And uh, there was a suggestion of Bilal Kulabali, who I don't know much about, but someone suggests Masai like player, super athletic. Uh, my thing is, uh, what about they just took a non Masai player one year who uh, just can shoot the hell out of the ball? And honestly, this is like a question I want to dig into like further with our pal Raphael Barlow when we get him on the show to talk draft is like the Raptors, have they been doing it backwards where they draft all these like long limber dudes and are like, here, we're going to teach you how to shoot. Would it not maybe be easier to uh, get guys who know how to shoot and play offense? Is it maybe more like a preternatural gift to be good at offense than it is at defense? And then you just like teach the really good offensive player to play defense more effectively. Like, 
I don't know if you can do that. Obviously, physical limitations come in and all that, but like, it doesn't seem, it seems like it's harder to teach a guy to learn how to be good at offense than it is to teach a guy to try hard at defense and like know the scheme. Um, So that's, we'll get into that a whole other uh, meatball another day, but. um, Well, just quickly, like, I think at the very least, the Raptors have reached a point where they have enough of those guys on the roster. Yeah, you can stop hoarding them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, Grandpa, you have enough newspapers from the 70s and 80s. You don't need to get more newspapers. You're good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, And and so now you can, you you need to find those guys who they don't seem like they're getting, like like their stomachs like churning as they're putting Mm -hmm. up like their fourth or fifth three-point attempt, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a normal thing for them to do. I hear that. I think for me, I think this is fact to go back to the question. Like, I, I still think there's plenty to like about the top six players on the team. Um, you know, we'll talk about Gary Trent Jr., I'm not sure. And obviously the fit needs to be massaged. I'm willing to give it another year of Scotty Barnes getting better and Pascal Siakam, you know, working on the catch and shoot part of his game to fully see if this is just like a dead in the water. This is not going to work five man group. If you bring Fred back, you bring Yak back, you got OG Siakam Barnes. Like, I think I, I, it would really stink if you just traded away Pascal and then all of a sudden he comes out and he's a 37% three point shooter. And it's like, well, damn, imagine we had that on the team, right? Like that's totally on the table. Pascal adds stuff every year. I'm not like, I don't think Barnes is going to become a great three point shooter in the next couple of years or anything like that. I think Pascal has it in him to do that at least. And I think his track record of always adding to his game makes me want to buy into the fact that that could be a thing that he does going into next season. And I wouldn't be stunned. And I think the returns of the starting five, as much as the fit's not ideal, I think the returns of the starting five in the last 25, 26 games are encouraging. If we're talking major roster moves, like I do think a full overhaul of the bench is needed if you are going to keep your core players around, right? Like there has to be more guard play off the bench. There has to be shooting in buckets, just buckets of shooting, overflowing with shooting. Oh my goodness, how do I hold all this shooting in my arms type of stuff? They have to go, and it's not going to be one summer, but you draft someone who can shoot the hell out of the ball in the draft at 13. That's job number one. You flip one of Precious or Chris Boucher for someone who's a little more shooting oriented to a team that might need their brand of you know power forward play. Then maybe that's a way you balance it out a little bit more. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. obviously is a big question in all this as well. He is not a perfect player. A lot of people don't want him back. You don't bring him back. That's a lot of shooting. You're just letting walk out the door for nothing. How do you address that? Um, you know, it might not be possible to build a roster with enough shooting without a massive adjustment with the core. I'm not ready to say that you can't do it yet. I think I would probably wait to see into next season, you know, if Pascal has added that to his bag a little bit. Um, And, you know, he's added the mid-range. Like, he's extended his range out further and further every year. I feel like that's on the table for him very much. But, um, you know, it's fact with a lot of contingencies, I suppose, is uh, how I would answer this one. We're going to come back on the other side, Big V, get into the last two factor fictions. We're going to talk Nick Nurse, his comments. Did it cost him his job or not? And uh, one last one that I'm just going to leave uh, as a surprise for Big V and the listeners as well. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you are the type of person who loves a sports sim video game, this is the game for you. 
All you got to do is download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM from the App Store and get into playing. And you're dealing with challenging personalities. You're hiring players and coaches. You're hiring the right assistants. You're trading. You're training players. You're making draft picks. And you're navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft and all the ups and downs that come with running a team for multiple seasons. You have the whims of angry owners to be worried about as well. Very realistic, super fun, realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to go check it out. To download the game, just visit Pro Basketball GM. Scan the code that you see on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube or go look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we round up the show here. Our uh, final two, Factor Fictions with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Let's dive in. Number one, Factor Fiction, Big V. Per Masai Ujiri, Nick Nurse's comments in Philly had no bearing on the decision to let him go. Do you buy that, or was this the death knell for Nick Nurse's time in Toronto? Um, I don't think it had anything. I mean, I think it had something to do with it. Hmm. Um, I, I don't think it played zero factor at all. Uh, I think there was enough that happened beforehand to mm-hmm. suggest that they were going down this path. But I think those comments in Philly kind of showed me that there was a guy who had one foot out the door. Yeah. And so that combination of, oh, okay, like we're not feeling great about this. And he seems like he doesn't want to be a part of this. Um, that was when, I, I, to me, I, that's how I took it. And so... Mm-hmm. Uh, while, you know, Masai can probably list like five other things before he gets to that, maybe 10 other things before he gets to that. Um, I do think that was like, yeah, you know, when you look at w- what they talk about with meeting over the past week before that decision was announced. Mm-hmm. I struggle to believe that Masai was speaking with someone who was genuinely like, hey, I absolutely love this situation. I want to be here for the next five years, whatever it is, um, and be fully committed. Yeah. I, this is a tough one because we obviously don't know the internal workings of the decision-making machine in the Raptors front office. I, my hunch here is to actually kind of say this is fact, just because it feels like the noise about nurse was out long before, those Philly comments. I mean, they were what, like 78 games into the season when that happened. It's not like the last four games and the outcome of the, the play. And maybe you could say that they, you know, drifted through the last week and that was because they were mad at their coach because he had checked out on the team. I think it was more sort of uh, this team was busted pretty uh, tangibly regardless. Um, and I feel like the noise starting to s- sprinkle out in March suggests that maybe the the nurse comments weren't like the death knell but more just sort of the acceptance of a thing he already knew was coming as well um right. you know you can read it a whole bunch of different ways but i'm inclined to think that 
the Raptors yeah, weren't making this decision mode. down to the last week. He would did go to quiet quitting mode. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> Except you know, he was pretty loud. Yeah, <laughs> very loud guys. until he was asked about his own self-imposed comments that he wasn't asked to make and then was real quiet about that um, you yeah. know, in an abrasive fashion. We love you, Lindsay Dunn. Uh, <laughs> but boy, yeah, it's uh, it was time. I'm ready for a new guy. Uh, let's go to the last one here. Fact or fiction, Big V, this is a surprise for you. Masai Ujiri uses this for Frayne a lot. We will win in Toronto. We will win again in Toronto. Fact or fiction, Big V, the Raptors, as we know them, under the leadership of Masai Ujiri, will win again in Toronto. You can use this, you can use the term win to mean all sorts of things, championship, regular deep playoff runs, whatever you want. Fact or fiction, the Raptors will win again in Toronto. This is more of a big picture look at your confidence, I suppose, in those at the helm of the franchise. What you got? Um, You know, in terms of win in Toronto, I take that as winning a championship. Mm -hmm. uh, I take that to mean winning a championship. And so, uh, I think I just don't know that Masai will be in his role long enough mm. for Toronto to win the next one. And so mm -hmm. um, I will go with fiction. Interesting. I think, I mean, statistically speaking, that's the right answer. It's very hard to win a championship. Uh, and if you are going as we will win a championship again in Toronto, yeah, I think fiction is probably it because... The odds are hilariously stacked against anybody winning a championship, let alone one specific team that is currently not really in the championship conversation. Um, and yeah, I think you know the idea of it taking some time certainly uh, is is valid as well. Like they're probably not going to fix this in one year or sort of get back to the heights they want to be at in one year. I think there's a chance they fix it and kind of set the course right this summer and into next year, but that won't mean that they're going to go win a championship next year. Um, I think uh, as far as, like, if you're going to go with the more generous reading of this, like, I think the Raptors will get back to being a pretty regular, consistent playoff team. And that's because I think that's what the franchise's whole plan is about. I think that's what they're designed to do. And that's what their philosophy's been ever since they came in, is get into that conversation, be there every year, be relevant, be in the spot where you can take advantage when NBA weirdness reveals itself. And so I'd bet they get back to that spot, saying they're going to go win a championship. That is uh, too big for my britches at the moment, I would say. So I will say I agree that it's fiction, and if you're winning a championship, I do think they'll get back to something resembling uh, regular competitiveness. I think the roster obviously needs some work. I also think there's a reason we all came into last season ext extremely optimistic and, and feeling good about things, is there is a lot to like here. I think a new coach can have a massive impact. I, I think, you know, we'll have to see. But um, it's, uh, boy, what an exciting offseason, man. I, I, Part of me is like, oh, this stinks. I wish the team I liked were being uh, smarter and were more together and were not, uh, you know, in so much limbo. But also, it's kind of tight that we have all this stuff to talk about over the next few months because it is going to be fascinating. Do you have any parting shots here, Big v, Big v, before we round out the show? I called you Big Fee which is what you should be calling yourself when you pitch yourself to freelance uh, outlets or something like that. <laughs> Big fee is here, but uh, besides the point, use that. I'm gonna use any that. last parting shots? <laughs> um, no, not really. I think we've covered most of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can 
uh, follow my usual stuff at raptors.com and you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob. Hell yeah. Uh, you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast for free wherever your shows. Thank you so much to the everyday listeners. We love you so, so much. And if you're not an everyday listener, what are you doing? Get on in here. We're talking about this stuff all year, all season long. This uh, off season long, I guess. So this very, very spicy meatball of an off season. We'll be digging into it every single day. We're back to player reviews tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into, I think, Pascal Siakam is who we're going to dig into. So you have that to look forward to. Um, it's... Uh, interesting times join the discord please uh, it's a lot of fun the link is in the description of the podcast both on audio and video come hang out we've got lots of folks in there it's uh it's a rollicking good time big v's in there just uh being big v being smarter than me all that good stuff uh so <laughs> please go support there uh also make sure to make your second list of the day locked on leafs as the buds play game four tonight game three was uh as stressed as i've been watching sports in a long time and uh, i look forward to game four as well mike and dave doing a wonderful job breaking down the buds in the playoffs over on Locked On Leafs and with that we'll leave you there thank you so much we'll be back tomorrow to talk about Pascal Siakam unless some other massive news befalls the Raptors till then thanks for hanging bye-bye hey prime members You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.